0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All right, welcome back. We're just here at about uh, six, seven minutes before the hour of 6 p.m. We are about to go to Washington, D.C. and bring you live coverage of the President's State of the Union address. Uh, tonight, of course, um, he will be meeting both uh, in the, the, uh, the U.S. House chamber, um, both the United States Senate and members of the House of Representatives. The President tonight... Um, This was sort of a backdrop of some challenges going on. Uh, All of the talk, certainly about the Mueller investigation. uh, The fact now that uh, Trump's inauguration committee has been subpoenaed by New York prosecutors that uh, certainly couldn't divert some of the emphasis on tonight's address of unity as NBC News's Kristen Weller explains.
2: What the White House wants to be talking about, of course,
3: the president's second State of the Union address, which he'll deliver in just hours from now. Kellyanne Conway saying he's been putting the finishing touches on all of that. But again, it comes against this remarkable backdrop, not only divided government, of course, he's going to be delivering that address with Democrats now in control of the House. But with this new twist in the investigation out of New York and the Russia investigation, of course, still looming large.
1: All right. Thank you, Kristen. Less than hours, by the way. It's just minutes away. In fact, about five minutes away. We've seen members of the United States Supreme uh, Court just make their way into uh, the uh, chamber. Um, For the second straight year, a majority of Supreme Court justices will not be attending the State of the Union address. A court spokesperson confirming that four of the justices are planning to attend tonight's speech. They include Chief Justice John Roberts, Associate Justices Elena Kagan, Neil Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh. Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, of course, recent appointees to the High Court by President Trump. Recently, justices have expressed discomfort with the partisan nature of the annual State of the Union address. Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito had not attended in years. Roberts called it a political pep rally as recent as 2010, and Stephen Beyer normally attends, but he's out of the country. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, meanwhile, continues to recover from cancer surgery and did not attend a concert on Monday night. As the president prepares for his address this evening, certainly there's been some uh, political sniping going back and forth between the two sides. On the Senate floor earlier today, Senator Chuck Schumer criticizing the president's State of the Union address even before the president has had a chance to deliver it. On the Senate floor, Schumer said Trump talks unity in his annual address but, quote, spends the other 364 days of the year dividing us. It's logical to believe based on his past speeches, that the president's speech will ignore the reality of his administration, the reality of our economy, the reality of our world, and instead we have a web of fiction. It seems every year the president wakes up and discovers the desire for unity on the morning of the State of the Union. Then the president spends the other 364 days of the year dividing us, Bringing a little bit more parody, perhaps, to the remarks anticipated in a few minutes by the president, Um, Iowa Republican Senator Chuck Grassley saying the president will push for bipartisanship and also perhaps might take a couple of jabs at opponents.
3: He not only talked about unity,
1: but he expressed about what actions he personally would take to encourage that unity and in the process then embarrassing people that disagree with him. To get together so we could have a bipartisan agreement where the president could win some, lose some, the Democrats could win some, lose some, and we would still get a bill passed.
0: On the president's plate tonight, areas where the parties could work together, like infrastructure, trade, and prescription drugs. And he'll reportedly set the goal of ending the HIV epidemic by 2030. President Trump's expected to re-up his demand for a border wall. Amid threats, he'll soon declare a national emergency if Congress doesn't deliver. Uh,
1: There are some comments I might add by NBC's Peter Alexander in a preview of some of the major issues that is anticipated will be addressed by the president this evening. Uh, Meanwhile, as the president delivers his State of the Union address, White House Press secretary Sarah Sanders said the theme for this year's speech is choosing greatness. I think you're going to see an incredible speech by the president, a visionary speech. The president's going to lay out some of the great successes that we've had over the last two years. One of the biggest, most historic trade deals in the history of our country, something that really fights for the American worker. This is something that both Republicans and Democrats talk about regularly, say they support, and we'll see if the members can come together and support this trade deal. There is a White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders. And as the guests continue to filter into the House of Representatives chamber, the sergeant at arms just announced the president's cabinet arriving. We would anticipate the president to, uh, to be on the dais uh, very shortly after 6 p.m. tonight. Again, we will carry his address live to the nation um, uninterrupted in the 6 o'clock hour here on KFAX. As the president has spent um, countless hours preparing for tonight's address and, of course, dealing with a number of... uh Critical issues that are facing the nation today, the ongoing debate over border security, what's happening with issues such as nuclear disarmament, North Korea, relationships with Russia, certainly the Mueller probe uh, weighing heavily on the minds of many. White House Strategic Communications Director Mercedes Slap says the president could, on the topic of border security, declare a national emergency if he so chooses. The president, at this point, is letting Congress do its job. We've always asked for a legislative fix. We've always wanted to close the legal loopholes, making sure that our border patrol agents have the authority to retain, remove illegal immigrants from coming into this country. And we That's need Congress right. to finish its job. And uh, you know, but the president is looking at other options and has the legal authority to do so. We are just minutes away from the president delivering his State of the Union address tonight. And meanwhile, to join us with some insights as to the topics that the president will touch on, we're joined by political expert Dr. Sean Foreman. Sean, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Um, First, the delay following the government shutdown. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi refusing to let the State of the Union address proceed while 800,000 government employees remain furloughed. Anticipation, I would suspect, of the second State of the Union address tonight is uh, pretty high.
2: Uh, This one will probably gain more attention uh, because there's so much uncertainty about where we're headed this year and in the future of American politics.
1: As I mentioned, the last shutdown delayed the speech. Um, In 10 days, we face potentially a second shutdown if the two sides don't reach some sort of an agreement. Is that going to impact or perhaps colorize the president's State of the Union address tonight?
2: Hanging over the speech will be the deadline looming in the next week. Uh, for an agreement to be made or for another government shutdown to happen. So uh, that's the elephant in the room.
1: Now, the president reportedly, as I mentioned a moment ago, will call for unity in his address. Democrats coming to his side or meeting Republicans halfway? What do you think?
2: I think there's a lot of anxiety in the country about the direction we're headed, the big impasse that we've had with the government shutdown, and whether it's going to happen again.
1: Looking at these two sides coming together tonight, and not just two sides of the Senate, two sides of the House, um, certainly also a bit of a, a tension between the executive branch and the legislative branch. No doubt tension's high tonight in the room. First time meeting for many since the end of the shutdown?
2: I think we'll all be watching the dynamics between President Trump and Speaker Pelosi, who will be on the screen throughout the entire speech.
1: The. Um, Coming back to this question of the call for unity for a moment, if we can, um, Doctor, how hard do you think a task will it be um, for the president tonight to accomplish this, given the degree of animosity that we're uh, witnessing in Washington, D.C. lately?
2: Really, uh, a lot of this depends on which Donald Trump shows up and what he hopes to accomplish on uh, what direction the State of the Union will take. All right. Thank you so much.
1: We appreciate you joining us on such last-minute notice here. There is Dr. Sean Foreman, uh, political pundit and political observer. Again, um, as the president prepares to uh, enter into the House chamber, we are anticipating his address tonight, the State of the Union address, to be approximately one hour long. The uh, sergeant-at-arms now, I think, just about ready to announce the president's arrival. Let's give a listen. Speaker the, Speaker
0: the President, president of, the of the United, United States. States
1: From the rear entrance of the House Chamber the president now slowly making his way up the center aisle uh, tonight, as we mentioned, the president in the State of the Union Address will be confronting a variety of problems as he prepares to deliver the State of the Union Address tonight. Um, a quarter of the federal government will run out of money again in just 10 days on February the 15th. Um, there's also with this the specter of another partial shutdown looming. The president has threatened to declare a national emergency at the U.S.-Mexican border if he does not get five billion dollars to help construct a massive border wall. Democrats, of course, now controlling the House, and they indicate, according to all the remarks, (coughs) pardon me, that they won't budge in their opposition to said wall declaration of national emergency at the border would be usually controversial and may not get the support of some key Republicans. Meanwhile, there is speculation that special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia probe is winding down and House Democrats are planning a number of investigations of the president and his administration. Tonight, of course, also the president seemingly at odds with his intelligence chiefs over threat assessments in nations such as Iran, ISIS, North Korea and Russia. Both the president and the first lady have special guests that will be attending the State of the Union address this evening, perhaps signaling that border security and illegal immigration will be a major topic. Guests include the family of a couple murdered by an illegal immigrant in Nevada last month. Also on the guest list is a Homeland Security agent who focuses on human trafficking. President will also be inviting Matthew Charles, a convicted drug dealer who was first pioneer, prisoner rather, released under the recently passed prison reform measure the First Step Act. Alice Johnson will also be in attendance. Johnson, of course, was serving a life sentence on drug charges, but the president granted her clemency last June after reality TV star Kim Kardashian brought the case to the president's attention. All right, the president has now taken the dais, and while the members of Congress continue to give the president a standing ovation and applaud, we will anticipate momentarily the president to begin his address. Again, this is uh, approximately one hour long, and we will carry it live and uninterrupted right here on KFAX. Note, by the way, that tonight, delivering the Spanish-language response to the State of the Union address will be California's own Attorney General. Xavier Becerra plans to make his speech tonight from the Sacramento High School that he attended. Becerra has been one of President Trump's most major opponents on a state level. He told the New York Times recently that his office has filed some 45 lawsuits against the Trump administration. Becerra says he expects Trump to talk tonight about walls, no conclusion, no collusion, and a robust economy. Becerra says he'll be ready to speak about what's really going on in America. By the way, it should be noted that the Democrat response will be delivered in English tonight by former Georgia lawmaker Stacey Abrams. now the president of the United States. Thank you very much, Madam
3: Speaker, Mr. Vice President, members of Congress, the First Lady of the United States, And my fellow Americans, we meet tonight at a moment of unlimited potential. As we begin a new Congress, I stand here ready to work with you to achieve historic breakthroughs for all Americans. Millions of our fellow citizens are watching us now, gathered in this great chamber, hoping that we will govern not as two parties, As one nation, the agenda I will lay out this evening is not a Republican agenda or a Democrat agenda. It's the agenda of the American people. Many of us have campaigned on the same core promises to defend American jobs and demand fair trade for American workers, to rebuild and revitalize our nation's infrastructure, to reduce the price of health care and prescription drugs, to create an immigration system that is safe lawful, modern, and secure, and to pursue a foreign policy that puts America's interest first. There is a new opportunity in American politics if only we have the courage together to seize it. Victory is not winning for our party, victory is winning for our country. This year, America will recognize two important. Anniversaries that show us the majesty of America's mission and the power of American pride. In June, we mark 75 years since the start of what General Dwight D. Eisenhower called the Great Crusade, the Allied liberation of Europe in World War II. On D-Day, June 6, 1944, 15,000 young American men jumped from the sky, and 60,000 more stormed in from the sea to save our civilization from tyranny. Here with us tonight are three of those incredible heroes. Private First Class Joseph Riley, Staff Sergeant Irving Locker, and Sergeant Herman Zaitchek. Gentlemen, we salute you. In 2019, we also celebrate 50 years since brave young pilots flew a quarter of a million miles through space to plant the American flag on the face of the moon. Half a century later, we are joined by one of the Apollo 11 astronauts who planted that flag Buzz Aldrin. Thank you, Buzz. This year, American astronauts will go back to space on American rockets. In the 20th century, America saved freedom, transformed science, redefine the middle class and when you get down to it there's nothing anywhere in the world that can compete with America. Now we must step boldly and bravely into the next chapter of this great American adventure, and we must create a new standard of living for the 21st century. An amazing quality of life for all of our citizens is within reach. We can make our community safer, our families stronger, our culture richer, our faith deeper, and our middle class bigger and more prosperous than ever before. But we must reject the politics of revenge resistance, and retribution, and embrace the boundless potential of cooperation, compromise, and the common good. Together, we can break decades of political stalemate. We can bridge old divisions, heal old wounds, build new coalitions, forge new solutions, and unlock the extraordinary promise of America's future. The decision is ours to make. We must choose between greatness or gridlock, results or resistance, Vision or vengeance, incredible progress or pointless destruction. Tonight, I ask you to choose greatness. Over the last two years, my administration has moved with urgency and historic speed to confront problems neglected by leaders of both parties over many decades. In just over two years since the election, we have launched an unprecedented economic boom, a boom that has rarely been seen before. There's been nothing like it. We have created 5.3 million new jobs — and importantly added 600,000 new manufacturing jobs, something which almost everyone said was impossible to do. But the fact is, we are just getting started. Wages are rising at the fastest pace in decades, and growing for blue-collar workers, who I promise to fight for, they're growing faster than anyone else thought possible. Nearly 5 million Americans have been lifted off food stamps. The U.S. economy is growing almost twice as fast today as when I took office. And we are considered far and away the hottest economy anywhere in the world, not even close. Unemployment has reached the lowest rate in over half a century. African-American, Hispanic-American, and Asian-American unemployment have all reached their lowest levels ever recorded. (laughs) Unemployment for Americans with disabilities has also reached an all-time low. More people are working now than at any time in the history of our country, 157 million people at work. We passed a massive tax cut for working families and doubled the child tax credit. We virtually ended the estate tax, or death tax, as it is often called, on small businesses for ranches, and also for family farms. We eliminated the very unpopular Obamacare individual mandate penalty. And to give critically ill patients access to life saving cures, we passed, very importantly, right to try. <clears throat> My administration has cut more regulations in a short period of time than any other administration during its entire tenure. Companies are coming back to our country in large numbers, thanks to our historic reductions in taxes and regulations. And we have unleashed a revolution in American energy. The United States is now the number one producer of oil and natural gas anywhere in the world. now, for the first time in 65 years, we are a net exporter of energy. After 24 months of rapid progress, our economy is the envy of the world. Our military is the most powerful on earth by far <laughs> and America <clears throat> America is again winning each and every day Members of Congress, the state of our union is strong. That sounds so good. <laughs> our country is vibrant, and our economy is thriving like never before. On Friday, it was announced that we added another 304,000 jobs last month alone, almost double the number expected. An economic miracle is taking place in the United States, and the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous partisan investigations. If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. It just doesn't work that way. We must be united at home to defeat our adversaries abroad. This new era of cooperation can start with finally confirming The more than 300 highly qualified nominees who are still stuck in the Senate, in some cases, years and years waiting. Not right. The Senate has failed to act on these nominations, which is unfair to the nominees and very unfair to our country. Now is the time for bipartisan action. Believe it or not, we have already proven that that's possible. In the last Congress, both parties came together to pass unprecedented legislation to confront the opioid crisis A sweeping new farm bill, historic VA reforms, and after four decades of rejection, we passed VA accountability so that we can finally terminate those who mistreat our wonderful veterans. And just weeks ago, both parties united for groundbreaking criminal justice reform. They said it couldn't be done. (laughs) Last year, I heard through friends the story of Alice. Johnson. I was deeply moved. In 1997, Alice was sentenced to life in prison as a first time nonviolent drug offender. Over the next 22 years, she became a prison minister, inspiring others to choose a better path. She had a big impact on that prison population and far beyond. Alice's story underscores the disparities and unfairness that can exist in criminal sentencing and the need to remedy this total injustice. She served almost that 22 years and had expected to be in prison for the remainder of her life. In June, I commuted Alice's sentence when I saw Alice's beautiful family greet her at the prison gates, hugging and kissing and crying and laughing. I knew I did something right. Alice is with us tonight And she is a terrific woman. Terrific. Alice, please. Alice, thank you for reminding us that we always have the power to shape our own destiny. Thank you very much, Alice. Thank you very much. (laughs) Inspired by stories like Alice's, my administration worked closely with members of both parties to sign the First Step Act into law. Big deal. Big deal. This legislation reformed sentencing laws that have wrongly and disproportionately harmed the African-American community. The First Step Act gives nonviolent offenders the chance to reenter society as productive, law-abiding citizens. Now, states across the country are following our lead. America is a nation that believes in redemption, We are also joined tonight by Matthew Charles from Tennessee. In 1996, at the age of 30, Matthew was sentenced to 35 years for selling drugs and related offenses. Over the next two decades, he completed more than 30 Bible studies, became a law clerk, and mentored many of his fellow inmates. Now Matthew is the very first person to be released from prison under the First Step Act. Matthew, please. Thank you, Matthew. Welcome home. Now, Republicans and Democrats must join forces again to confront an urgent national crisis. Congress has 10 days left to pass a bill that will fund our government protect our homeland, and secure our very dangerous southern border. Now is the time for Congress to show the world that America is committed to ending illegal immigration and putting the ruthless coyotes, cartels, drug dealers, and human traffickers out of business. As we speak, large, organized caravans are on the march to the United States. We have just heard that Mexican cities, in order to remove the illegal immigrants from their communities, are getting trucks and buses to bring them up to our country in areas where there is little border protection. I have ordered another 3,750 troops to our southern border to prepare for this tremendous onslaught. This is a moral issue. The lawless state of our southern border is a threat to the safety, security, and financial well-being of all America. We have a moral duty to create an immigration system that protects the lives and jobs of our citizens. This includes our obligation to the millions of immigrants living here today who followed the rules and respected our laws. Legal immigrants enrich our nation and strengthen our society in countless ways. I want people to come into our country in the largest numbers ever, but they have to come in legally. Tonight I am asking you to defend our very dangerous southern border, out of love and devotion to our fellow citizens and to our country. No issue better illustrates the divide between America's working class and America's political class than illegal immigration. Wealthy politicians and donors push for open borders while living their lives behind walls and gates and guards. (laughs) Meanwhile, working-class Americans are left to pay the price for mass illegal immigration, reduced jobs, lower wages, Overburdened schools, hospitals that are so crowded you can't get in, increased crime, and a depleted social safety net. Tolerance for illegal immigration is not compassionate. It is actually very cruel. One in three women is sexually assaulted on the long journey north. Smugglers use migrant children as human pawns to exploit our laws and gain access to our country. Human traffickers and sex traffickers take advantage of the wide open areas between our ports of entry to smuggle thousands of young girls and women into the United States and to sell them into prostitution and modern-day slavery. Tens of thousands of innocent Americans are killed by lethal drugs that cross our border and flood into our cities, including meth, heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl. The savage gang, MS-13, now operates in at least 20 different American states, and they almost all come through our southern border. Just yesterday, an MS-13 gang member was taken into custody for a fatal shooting on a subway platform in New York City. We are removing these gang members by the thousands But until we secure our border, they're going to keep streaming right back in. Year after year, countless Americans are murdered by criminal illegal aliens. I've gotten to know many wonderful angel moms and dads and families. No one should ever have to suffer the horrible heartache that they have had to endure. Here tonight is Deborah Bissell. Just three weeks ago, Deborah's parents, Gerald and Sharon, were burglarized and shot to death in their Reno, Nevada home by an illegal alien. They were in their 80s and are survived by four children, 11 grandchildren, and 20 great-grandchildren. Also here tonight are Gerald and Sharon's granddaughter, Heather, and great-granddaughter, Madison. To Deborah, Heather Madison, please stand. Few can understand your pain. Thank you, and thank you for being here. Thank you very much. I will never forget, and I will fight for the memory of Gerald and Sharon, that it should never happen again. Not one more American life should be lost because our nation failed to control its very dangerous border. In the last two years, our brave ICE officers made 266,000 Arrests of criminal aliens, including those charged or convicted of nearly 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes, and 4,000 killings or murders. We are joined tonight by one of those law enforcement heroes ICE Special Agent Elvin Hernandez. When Elvin Thank you. When Elvin was a boy, he and his family legally immigrated to the United States from the Dominican Republic. At the age of eight, Elvin told his dad he wanted to become a special agent. Today, he leads investigations into the scourge of international sex trafficking. Elvin says that if I can make sure these young girls get their justice, I've really done my job. Thanks to his work and that of his... Incredible colleagues, more than 300 women and girls have been rescued from the horror of this terrible situation. And more than 1,500 sadistic traffickers have been put behind bars. Yeah! We will always support the brave men and women of law enforcement. And I pledge to you tonight that I will never abolish our heroes from ICE. Thank you. My administration has sent to Congress a common-sense proposal to end the crisis on the southern border. It includes humanitarian assistance, more law enforcement, drug detection at our ports, closing loopholes that enable child smuggling, and plans for a new physical barrier or wall to secure the vast areas between our ports of entry. In the past, most of the people in this room voted for a wall, but the proper wall never got built. I will get it built. This is a smart, strategic, see-through steel barrier, not just a simple concrete wall. It will be deployed in the areas identified by the border agents as having the greatest need, and these agents will tell you where walls go up, illegal crossings go way, way down. San Diego used to have the most illegal border crossings in our country. In response, a strong security wall was put in place. This powerful barrier almost completely ended illegal crossings. The border city of El Paso, Texas, used to have extremely high rates of violent crime, one of the highest in the entire country and considered one of our nation's most dangerous cities. Now, immediately upon its building, with a powerful barrier in place, El Paso is one of the safest cities in our country. Simply put, Walls work, and Walls save lives. So let's work together, compromise, and reach a deal that will truly make America safe. As we work to defend our people's safety, we must also ensure our economic resurgence continues at a rapid pace. No one has benefited more from our thriving economy than women who have filled 58 percent of the newly created jobs last year. You weren't supposed to do that. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All Americans can be proud that we have more women in the workforce than ever before. Don't sit yet. You're going to like this. (laughs) And exactly one century after Congress passed the Constitutional Amendment giving women the right to vote, we also have more women serving in Congress than at any time before. That's great. Very great. And congratulations. That's great. As part of our commitment to improving opportunity for women everywhere, this Thursday, we are launching the first-ever government-wide initiative focused on economic empowerment for women in developing countries. To build on... Thank you. To build on our incredible economic success, one priority is paramount reversing decades of calamitous trade policies. So bad. We are now making it clear to China that after years of targeting our industries and stealing our intellectual property, the theft of American jobs and wealth has come to an end. Therefore, we recently imposed tariffs on $250 billion of Chinese goods, and now our Treasury is receiving billions and billions of dollars. But I don't blame China for taking advantage of us. I blame our leaders and representatives for allowing this travesty to happen. I have great respect for President Xi, And we are now working on a new trade deal with China. But it must include real structural change to end unfair trade practices, reduce our chronic trade deficit, and protect American jobs. Another historic trade blunder was the catastrophe known as NAFTA. I have met the men and women of Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, New Hampshire, and many other states whose dreams were shattered by the signing of NAFTA. For years, politicians promised them they would renegotiate for a better deal But no one ever tried until now. Our new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the USMCA, will replace NAFTA and deliver for American workers like they haven't had delivered to for a long time. I hope you can pass the USMCA into law so that we can bring back our manufacturing jobs in even greater numbers. Expand American agriculture, protect intellectual property, and ensure that more cars are proudly stamped with our four beautiful words, made in the U.S.A. Tonight, I am also asking you to pass the United States Reciprocal Trade Act so that if another country places an unfair tariff on an American product, we can charge them the exact same tariff on the exact same product that they sell to us. Both parties should be able to unite for a great rebuilding of America's crumbling infrastructure. I know that Congress is eager to pass an infrastructure bill and I am eager to work with you on legislation to deliver new and important infrastructure investment, including investments in the cutting-edge industries of the future. This is not an option. This is a necessity. The next major priority for me and for all of us should be to lower the cost of health care and prescription drugs, and to protect patients with pre-existing conditions. Already as a result of my administration's efforts in 2018, drug prices experienced their single largest decline in 46 years. But we must do more. It's unacceptable that Americans pay vastly more than people in other countries for the exact same drugs often made in the exact same place. This is wrong. This is unfair. And together, we will stop it. And we'll stop it fast. I am asking Congress to pass legislation that finally takes on the problem of global freeloading and delivers fairness and price transparency for American patients, finally. We should also require drug companies, insurance companies, and hospitals to disclose real prices to foster competition and bring costs way down. No force in history has done more to advance the human condition than American freedom. In recent years, In recent years, we have made remarkable progress in the fight against HIV and AIDS. Scientific breakthroughs have brought a once-distant dream within reach. My budget will ask Democrats and Republicans to make the needed commitment to eliminate the HIV epidemic in the United States within 10 years. We
1: have made incredible strides. Incredible. You've been listening to live coverage of the Presidential State of the Union Address from Washington, D.C. That'll put the wraps on this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. For our producer, Wanda Sanchez, my engineer, Jarrell Martin, I'm Craig Roberts, reminding you at this time, as we do every day at this time, don't just keep the faith, get on out there and share it. Till next time, so long.